Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Woodburn Baptist Church. I am Pastor Tim Harris, delighted uh, to be your pastor. Um, I'm sorry. Um, I'm okay. Worship is good today. Um, Just hard. I've had a really hard week. And I don't think I realize sometimes as a pastor how much I bottle in until I get to worship. And then when I release it before the Lord, sometimes I can't. I can't put the cork back on it, and I, I apologize today. Um, if you haven't heard, Fred Metter died. Um, Fred, one of our dear, dear men and a good friend of mine. Um, he will be buried on Tuesday, funeral here at the church at 2.30. I will be honored to preach his funeral. Uh, earlier that morning, on Tuesday morning, I'll be preaching the funeral of Eric Sawyer's. Uh, this is a guy my age. I went through first grade with, with Eric Sawyer's, and, uh, and it's, it's something to, to preach the funerals for both of those men. It actually makes me really eager to preach the sermon today because the sermon today is going to cause us to think about the ways in which we're connected, and we are connected. And you don't just simply take a man like Fred Matter out of our lives and, and we not be changed by that in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is, is where we'll be. Turn with me and I'll pull it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. We're in a, a message series entitled Charismata. Charismata is, is a Greek word in the New Testament that is used uh, by Paul and, and others to, to refer to what? What does the word charismata mean? Spiritual gifts, or, or literally it means grace gifts. Grace gifts, I, I still think that's really amazing that Scripture uses that word grace to refer to the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, which if you can possibly wrap your head around it, it just simply means that, that when you become a Christian, a part of the grace that you receive from God comes to you in the form of, of this assignment or, 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 or this gift, we sometimes say, which gives you a very special function in, in the body of Christ. It, it, it's a grace. It's, it, it's a grace gift. The New Testament says two things in particular about our spiritual gifts, about our, our, our grace gifts. The first one you'll read in this passage today, the first one is you can't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. You just simply cannot be ignorant. Now, many people choose to be ignorant because once you're not ignorant, then you have to serve. Once you can no longer say, I don't know about that or I don't know what my gift is, then you're responsible to fulfill your divine assignment from the Holy Spirit. So some of us honestly choose ignorance. It just makes our lives easier, we think, but, but much less fulfilling. Let, let me say that. The scripture says don't be ignorant. The scripture also says do not neglect your gift. Don't be ignorant and do not neglect the spiritual gift that is given you. So, so those two things. We've been defining the word charismata perhaps differently. Uh, I know that the, the typical way to talk about these things is in terms of gifts but honestly, in the New Testament, it's, it's functional language. It has more to do with, with a job. So I think it's probably easier for most of us to think of a spiritual gift as a divine job. A, a divine job that is assigned by the Holy Spirit for the good of others. And I really want us to talk about for the good of others today. Your spiritual gift is actually simply a job, a, a special divine job that the Holy Spirit has given nobody else but you and it is for the good of others. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where I want us to be today. If you think these things don't matter much, if, if you happen to follow the news, there are two prominent preachers this week who got in a public fight over these things, over charismatic, over Pentecostal issues. John MacArthur and Mark Driscoll, uh, nothing like a good preacher fight, I, I guess, uh, for, for the news. Uh, sort, of, sort of embarrassing, I, I think. But nonetheless, it, it should illustrate for us how very vitally important these things are to us. Paul's going to start out in verse 1 by saying, now, dear brothers and sisters, about that question you asked me about, about spiritual gifts. Um, and this makes the passage interesting. Paul is going to answer their question, but we don't know what they asked him. Anybody ever watch the game show Jeopardy? Yeah. What's different about Jeopardy? Yeah, on Jeopardy, you get the answer, and then you have to supply the question. Your, your, your answer must be in the form of a question. So you get the answer, and you have to supply the question. So today in 1 Corinthians 12, in order to understand what Paul is saying, you got to play Jeopardy. Paul's going to give us the answer, and to really try to understand what the passage means, we have to sort of get behind the text and figure out what the question is. So that's your, that's your job this morning as we read. You listen for the question. Based on the answer, what do you think the question is? Here we go. Chapter 12, verse 1, 1 Corinthians. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. And I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will, will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A, a charismata, a, a spiritual gift, is given to each of us so we can help each other. Why don't you underline that? A, a charismata, a spiritual gift, is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to, to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in tongues in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. He alone decides which gift each person should have. I... I love to mow my yard. If you ever see me on my lawnmower, you just know I'm having a good day. I, I, I just love it so much. I don't know why. I think part of it is, is I like to turn around and see immediately the results of my work. In my job, I don't always see immediate results, so it's nice to smell the grass and turn around and see it looking so smooth. I love the stripes. I love everything about mowing, except this time of year, and especially this year, I, I, I'm having this peculiar problem in my yard. 
And it happened just the other day for the, for the 50th time this fall. Uh, I was mowing. I went between two bushes. And as soon as I got between two bushes, I felt this spider web. I mean, just awful, awful spider web. It stretched across my face. I mean, just totally across my face and then across both of my hands. Now, I'm on my lawnmower now, and I know y'all just see me in the pulpit, and you think of me as a very manly, strong, you know, awesome, awesome guy, afraid of nothing. And I'm not really afraid of much, but, man, I just, that, that spider web just creep me out. You know what I mean? So now I'm not smart enough to slow the mower down. I'm just driving around like a crazy guy, like, ah, 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 you know, just trying to, to pull it off. And, and you can't because you can't feel a spot. You can't feel it at all. But I just kept just digging and, and, and it wouldn't go away. And it was between every finger on my hands. And again, lawnmower is still going full speed and I'm just trying to clean it off and and even while I'm doing all of this I'm also thinking what one thought in my head where is that spider (laughs) just awful 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 why is it so difficult for one of us to extract ourselves from a spider web why is that so difficult because honestly fun with science here the, the, the filament that a spider weaves, the, the spider's web, is one of the strongest substances on earth. It is comparable in strength to high-grade steel. Google it if you don't believe me. If you could make a spider web the diameter of a, of a pencil, it would support the weight of a fully loaded Boeing 747. You understand? It is one of the strongest, strongest things on earth, a a, a spider's web. Now, it's very light and and beautiful, but incredibly strong. I I want you to think about that spider's web today and the strength of it because I want us to talk about spiritual gifts and, and most importantly, what the church is like. Now, what you need to understand is that, is that the church truly is a kind of spiritual web. All right, stay with me. It's a kind of spiritual web, and all of us are woven into it as believers. Now, the bond that holds us together is indeed the strongest bond in heaven and earth. There is nothing that can separate you from me in the spirit. We are one. We are joined together. We are all together the body of Christ. And there's nothing that can separate us. Now that's amazing. But I also want you to understand that that part of what holds us together, in some ways the most important thing that holds us together is our spiritual giftedness. And and this is what this passage is, is, is trying to explain and what Paul continues to hammer down whenever he talks about spiritual gifts. Our giftedness is one of the most important ways that our lives are, are knit together. Simply because spiritual gifts always relate to needs. Remember I said this a couple of weeks ago. Anytime there is a need, God always answers that need with a person. When there's a need, God answers that need with a person. And that's why church is personal. It's personal. It's interpersonal. You may say, well, I'm pretty sure I can pray at home, and you can pray at home, but you cannot have all of your needs met at home by yourself because God's going to bring people into your life. You need the church. 
just like everybody else needs the church because this is how God meets our needs. He meets my needs by hiding away in your life the, the biggest part of what I need. So my needs are actually answered in you in your gifts. Do you understand? And so in the most amazing way possible, this is how we're connected. My needs are connected to your gifts. And your needs are connected to my gifts. And it just continues to tie us together all across this body. We are one body. And we are connected in a way stronger than you can possibly imagine. And our connection has everything to do with our needs and our gifts. Understand? So what's the question? What's the question that the Corinthians seem to be asking? Because Paul knows that they know their question, so he doesn't bother repeating the question. He just says about that question on gifts, and then he answers it. But based on his answer, and it really doesn't end here, his answer goes on and on through chapter 14. So this is like a three-chapter answer. It's a big question. What do you think their question is? Anybody got an idea? What do you think their question is? It's about spiritual gifts. So they've asked Paul a question pertaining to charismatic, pertaining to spiritual gifts. Any idea what their question is? Based on the answer? What's the most important gift? Excellent. It sounds like they've asked something like that. What's the most important gift? I, th I think that's exactly right. Now, based on Paul's lengthy answer and, and the way he talks about certain things, it's also pretty obvious what they think the most important gift is, or at least some of them. What do you think that would be? Yeah, speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues, if you read 1 Corinthians from this point on, pretty obvious that there are some people in that congregation who think that speaking in tongues is the most important gift. In fact, if, if you read closely, it sounds like there are people in, in the church at Corinth who say that everybody really ought to speak in tongues. And maybe even if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. It sounds like that's exactly what some people are saying. And so they've asked Paul to weigh in on this. What's the most important gift? Is speaking in tongues more important than other gifts? Is speaking in tongues make you more spiritual? When I say speaking in tongues, do y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you may, some of you may not. Ever been in a, in a church service where people spoke in tongues? I don't mean like the, the time the lady, you know, her dentures fell out during her testimony. And, you know, I'm not talking about that. No, speaking in tongues is really nothing to be afraid of. Don't freak out because I'm about to talk about it. I will keep all this in English, all right? Um, speaking in tongues is an ability. One of the abilities that the Spirit gives certain people, it's biblical. As a matter of fact, when it comes to speaking in tongues, one of the things Paul says is you must not forbid people from speaking in tongues. So you can't say that people can't do it. And you can't stop them from doing it. You understand? Paul says don't even think about forbidding that. So it is a spiritual gift. And it is a spiritual gift that obviously was very popular with some of the people in Corinth. The problem comes in when anybody tries to make any one gift more important than other gifts. And Paul's going to make double dogs sure by the end of this that nobody thinks speaking in tongues is the point of being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's going to make pretty sure you don't think that. Notice that every time he makes a list of spiritual gifts, Paul will always put that one last. Just a subtle way of letting you know where it falls. 
Paul says that he speaks in tongues, or he has before, but he also says in so many words that he wouldn't really cross the street to speak in tongues if he had the opportunity to say something to people in a language they could understand. So Paul always leans toward what builds people up. And he says, if I stand up in a church service and, and begin to speak in a language nobody knows, I haven't helped anybody unless someone else in that same room in that same moment has the gift to interpret what I'm saying. So literally, Paul admits that speaking in tongues is a spiritual gift, but he refuses to elevate it above the others. And if you read through his total answer, when he gets to chapter 13, there is one thing that he lifts up above everything else. The most important gift, the most important thing that any Christian should strive toward, and what is that? Love. Love. I just can't wait for the day when two preachers get in a public fight over love. Do you understand? It really never seems to happen because somehow, as much as we read the New Testament, we never get that part. We never get the part that tells us that love is the most excellent thing. Now, you may be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues, but you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and not be filled with love. That's what Paul says. So when you look out across the church, the only thing that should really concern you is if that church doesn't have love. Because Paul says of all the things you can possibly name, love is the greatest. Now this is his answer. Honestly, it's still something that, that people still say. There are still people who want to say that you've got to speak in tongues. If you've spent all of your life here at Woodburn Baptist Church, we've never said that, so that sounds strange to you. But I know some of you have been in other places or maybe you've watched uh, evangelists on television and you know that there are people who still say that, but they're not reading the book of 1 Corinthians very well. Not reading it very well. So if the question is, is is tongue speaking or, or is there any other gift more important than the others, what's Paul's answer? No, look what he says, verse 4. There are different kinds of charismata. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Okay, so bottom line, what's Paul's answer? We all work for God, understand, but we don't have the same job. We do not have the same job, but we all work for God. I know what some of you are still doing. Three weeks into this, you're still saying, well, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I I just don't know. Brother Tim, can you help me? What is my spiritual gift? I don't think I have one. Well, Paul gives a list here. Paul gives lists kind of throughout the, the New Testament. He never gives the same list twice. Let's look at this one. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Same Spirit gives great faith to another. Someone else, the Spirit gives a gift of healing. We got to you yet? He gives one person the power to perform miracles. Is that you? Another one, the ability to prophesy, to preach. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And another person is given the ability to speak in tongues. Go for it. Another is given the ability to interpret what's being said. 
Did we name your gift? <coughs> Maybe. Maybe not, though. Again, I remind you, there's never the same list twice, so I don't think Paul ever gives the entire list of gifts, and, and I'm not sure there is such a thing. I'm just not sure there is such a thing as a list of all the gifts. Because remember, God answers the needs of people by, by sending people who are gifted to meet those needs. And sometimes what I need, there, there just may not be a name for it, you know? Let's just talk about Fred Metter for a moment. Amazing man. And if you've been in, around Woodburn very long, you've known Fred and you've probably been very influenced by him. But, but what would his, his gift be? None of these, I don't think he worked miracles, although he did have his 79th birthday party at the skating rink. <laughs> Y'all know he, he could roller skate like a spider monkey. And he skated, yeah, like a spider monkey, you understand? Fred Metter at 79, I, I mean, so maybe miracles, although he wouldn't have thought that, yeah. Biggest hands of anybody on earth, did you ever see his hands are like baseball mitts? Gigantic paws. What was his gift, though? Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was a man of love. He, he, Jack would take the young boys over to Fred's shop. Now, Fred's shop was amazing, too. It was kind of a miracle. Uh, what kind of shop it was, depending on what door you came in? Because the front door, it was... Fred Metter's body shop, body shop, so he, he worked on cars. But if you went in another door, it was like a sawmill. Fred Metter cut down trees. He'd bring down whole trees and saw them up into planks, and he had more lumber than Lowe's. So if you walked in another door, it was like a sawmill. And, and another door is where he built furniture. I mean, this, this dude built furniture that's sitting around this church. I, I don't know what his gift would be. Now, in one place in the book of Romans, Paul talks about marriage as a gift and singleness as a gift. So maybe something about Fred and Betty together for 64 years, maybe that was the gift. Because I know a lot of us looked at them and just thought, I, I would give anything to have that. You know, he died with his hand in hers. That's, that's a gift. But, but honestly, I, I just don't, I, I don't know what you'd call Fred's gift. I don't know what I'd call Stephen Ham's gift, you know? Uh, Stephen Ham is important to me. And, and just having my brother in this church does something important for my heart. Y'all know Stephen preaches with me. Some Sundays I'm going at it up here, and I look down, and Stephen's going at it on, on the front with me. I love that. And then some Sundays I look down, and you are sound asleep, man. What's up with that? What is up with that, man? Stephen says he can come in and look at the title in the bulletin and know if it's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, Stephen, I love you so much. I don't know. I don't even know what to call your gift. I just don't know what it would be called. All I know is my life is richer because I worship next to him. I just know my life is richer because I preach with Stephen. You understand? I, I, I know that. And, and the way that the Holy Spirit weaves our lives together like this is, is an 
absolute thrill. I, I love that. It's called the church. Understand? So I don't know exactly what to call your gift. I can send you to places where you could take a test and answer 5,000 questions, and it might tell you what, what your gift is. But, but even then, I'm, I'm just not sure. Because I don't know if you can really determine that by taking a, a test on the Internet, although we've all done that this, this month. And that's a good thing, but I, I don't know what your gift is until you get in here plugged in with the rest of us. Because your gifts are going to be in relation to our needs. That's why if you ever move and join another church, you soon realize that you don't necessarily fill the same spot that you filled in your last church. Because gifts are, are particular, and it has everything to do with the local body. It has to do with the people that God is knitting your life together with. So honestly, maybe that's not the place to start. Maybe the place to start is not with, tell me what my gift is. Maybe that's backwards. Maybe if you really want to discover what your spiritual gift is, maybe the thing to look for is what other people need. Maybe if you didn't think about yourself at all, but maybe if you just looked around at what other people need, and then you start doing everything you can to fill their needs, something tells me you just found your gift. Paul say, spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Look around, figure out where somebody needs help. You step up and help them. I don't think it's more complicated than that. There's a man who had prayed and asked God to give him a vision of heaven and hell so he fell asleep, and in a dream, the Lord came to him and said, come with me. And he took him to a hallway where there were two doors, opened the first door and brought him in. The man said, Lord, where am I? And he said, look. He looked, and there were long tables with people around the tables, but you could smell food in the room. There were enormous bowls of stew on the table that would make your mouth water. The smell was amazing. And all of the people at all the tables were starving. They were literally starving. They were wasting away and weeping and moaning and crying. And the man said, Lord, I don't understand. The Lord said, look closely. And he continued to look, and he could see that these starving people were in the presence of this amazing stew, this wonderful food. But the thing was, all they had were spoons that were long, these long-handled spoons that were longer than their arms. And so they were able to maneuver the spoon and get it into the bowl, but they were never able to bend the spoon back around to their mouths because the spoon was longer than their arm. And so for all eternity, they starved and struggled but could not feed themselves. And the Lord said to the man, you have seen hell. So they left, and the man was confused and walked, and the Lord opened a second door, and he walked in. He said, Lord, where am I? And the Lord said, look. And it was the same kind of room. There were these long tables with these big bowls of stew, and the aroma of the stew would make your mouth water. All the people were at the tables, but, but this time the people were, were well fed, and they were laughing and enjoying one another. And the man said, Lord, I don't understand. And the Lord said, look closely. 
He noticed that it was the same stew, the same bowls. And then he noticed that these people who were well-fed and laughing, they had the same spoons, these, these spoons with, with handles longer than their arms. And the people were able to dip the spoon into the bowls but would have never been able to feed themselves. But in this room, the people would dip the spoon into the bowl and feed the person on the other side of the table. The Lord said, you've seen heaven. Does that make sense? Because what you need to know is that there's really only one skill necessary for being in the church. Only one real skill that you have to master. And it is that skill, that ability to put others ahead of you. To think of others first. To, to spend everything you've got in order to care for others. This is the ability, the genuine gift that the Spirit wants to give you. It is to do God's work. Now, we will all have different jobs. We'll find different ways to help one another, but we still all work for the Lord. But if you put yourself first, if you come to church and only think of yourself, if you think this is only a place where you come and you get fed, you feed yourself, then I'm telling you, you're going to be very, very unhappy. That's not what the church is for. It is not a place where we come and take care of ourselves. This is a place where we come and we help one another. And you've got a place to plug in with that. As a matter of fact, I would say no matter how many times you walk in the aisle or if your name's on the roll or not, I would say that you haven't truly spiritually joined the church, joined the church until you find your place in that web of needs and gifts. The place where your needs begin to be met by others and the place where you begin to meet the needs of others. That's what church is. Let me talk just a little bit about how the web at Woodburn Baptist Church is about to shift. Because it's a web, you can't change one part without changing everything. And there may be some changes coming, so let's talk. Let's talk about this and then figure out where you plug in. Okay? If you look around in the service, it's full. It's full. In the overflow today, there's a good group. There's a possibility that some of you could have gone over there, but, but the fact remains in this room, it's full. They tell us that in any room, in any public meeting, 80% full is full. In other words, if, if a family of four walked through those doors at, at 8.30 this morning and they wanted to come in and worship with us, what would they see? No place for their family to sit. When people walk into a room, they don't want to see people packed shoulder to shoulder. They want to see room for themselves to sit down. And we don't have room for people to sit down. We don't have room for people to, to come in. Now, I want you to understand, the web at Woodburn Baptist Church needs to change simply so that we can include more people. More people need to be brought in. We have the 11 o'clock service as well. It's about 80% full most Sundays, which means we still have seats, but that's not a lot of room to grow. We need an actual strategy for growing, for, for allowing more people in. I want you to know who your neighbors are, and I want you to invite your neighbors to church, but honestly, you know that that's very difficult because if your neighbors came, they might not have room to sit beside you. That's difficult. We have to deal with that. 
And as I say, anytime you begin to shift the web of our church, that means every single one of us are going to feel that, and every single one of us are somehow going to have to shift and move with that. We're connected. So here's what we're thinking. We can add a third service. We can add a third service. We have an 8.30 service, an 11 o'clock service. How about a 9.45 service right in the middle? Now, Many of you may never come to that, and that's okay. You've got a seat. We want to create seats for others, though. The 945 service can be different. It can be very different. We can offer something that we're currently not offering, maybe something we've never offered before. Now, it would be very difficult to imagine emptying this sanctuary and filling it back up by 945. None of us move that fast, and we've all got to go through the same door. Understand? So what about if, if the 945 service goes over to where the overflow is right now, over into the new youth room? That's an amazing room and a perfect environment for worship. It'll seat about 200. Y'all know that? So what if the 945 service goes there? That way we don't have to empty and fill this sanctuary so quickly, and that room can just fill and empty on its own. So traffic problems are nothing to worry about. But, but if we're in that room, we can do something really different. Let's call it cafe worship because that room allows for many, many different things. That room is all tricked out with lights. That room is tricked out with sound. Those speakers will peel the skin off your face. Not that we're going to do that. <laughs> but they're lights and, and, and sound, and it's an amazing environment for, for worship. Why don't we take advantage of that? Matt Betts is going to lead that cafe worship service at 945 with a praise band. And we're calling it a cafe worship service, so guess what? Coffee's part of it. Yeah, just grab a cup and come on in. We want to gather differently in there. We want to allow for different things. Maybe people who would not feel comfortable coming in this room can be made comfortable in that room. And that's what it's about. That's what it's about. I will preach the funeral of a man on Tuesday who's a Woodburn neighbor who never came to our church. Or anybody else's. Got to make a seat for guys like him. You, you hear me? We just got to make a seat for guys like him. Maybe that room's the place. Now, when you talk about three worship services, and especially a worship service in that middle hour, then you all understand, we just changed what Sunday school's about. Because all of a sudden, there's worship in Sunday school in the same hour. And the people who go to 945 worship, they're going to need Sunday school classes and they will, and we'll take care of that. Now, we're going to have to do some thinking between now and when we start this. And, and part of that thinking is trying to figure out who's going to be in that 945 service and, and what Sunday school classes we may need at 830 and what Sunday school classes we may need at 11. And, and we can figure all of that out. Have y'all met Warren Weeks? If you just stare into that bald head, you can see his thoughts. Warren has actually been in a church before Woodburn. Warren's been in a church where there were multiple Sunday schools. So he's actually experienced in this. He can lead us through that. Now, as far as your Sunday school class, I don't know what it means for you all. You'll decide that. Your Sunday school class may be very happy where you are, and you love 830 worship service, and so for you, probably nothing much will change. And nothing has to change for you. God bless you. You just continue to grow and invite in the Sunday school class where you are. Praise God for that. 
Some Sunday school classes may say, hey, wait, we like the idea of a 945 worship service. Can we meet at 830 or 11? And the answer is yes. Yes. Sunday school classes can have that discretion to move. Absolutely. But, but guess what? Once you have more than one hour for Sunday school, we can start a lot of new classes. And we need them. We have Sunday school classes that meet at 10 o'clock that are the size of many small churches. That's not a joke. Not a joke. We have Sunday school classes that are larger than most churches. So we can honestly start some new classes and grow some new classes. And now we've sort of opened up the box on Sunday school so that Sunday school has a whole new sort of horizon for growth. I can get pretty excited about that. But I know it's change. And I know that for some of us, change is like, bring it on, woohoo! Give me a cup of coffee now. Why can't this be cafe right here? I mean, that's what you're thinking. Others experience change with a lot more trepidation. And so let's go real slow. Let's go real slow. What we're discussing at this point is starting something like this in January, late January 2014. That gives us several months to figure these things out, and we will. But, but, but let me tell you this. Next Sunday morning, next Sunday morning at 8.30 and also 11.00, we're going to give a preview of the cafe service. Matt Betts, the praise band, everything will be in the, the overflow room. And we will preview that cafe service. And I want to invite you next week to go into that room and try it out. You may think, I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with it. But listen to me. You may know somebody and that service will be perfect for them. So at least experience it so that you can then invite people and explain to them what it's about. Because most of you have never seen anything like what we're going to try to create. It's going to be a different kind of worship service. It's going to be very good. So next Sunday, let's preview that at 8.30 and also at 11. You have the opportunity to go over there and experience worship in a very different way. At least then you'll know what we're talking about. After next Sunday, we're going to do a church-wide survey. It'll be online. It'll be in the bulletin. We're going to try in every way possible to get you to give us some feedback. Give us an idea of what service you think you might be interested in attending. Help us figure out where you might go. Maybe some of you would say, I would be happy to teach a new class at 8.30. I'd love to start a new class for senior adults because we need one. I would love to start a new class for young couples because we can always use new classes. And Maybe you'd like to do it at 8.30 or 11. Well, that's wonderful. Let us know that. Maybe you're the person who says, you know, I'll worship whenever, I'll go wherever. If it'll help strengthen the church, you just tell me where to go. If you let us know that, we'd love to know who the flexible people are. And then we can strengthen classes and strengthen worship services by asking you maybe to come at 11 or come at 945. Let us know if you're just that very flexible person. We'll take that feedback for our planning so that in January we can try to start strong. But what if it doesn't work? What if it turns out to be the worst thing we ever did? What if we just put a stick of dynamite under something that was going really good and just blown it all to bits? Well, we'll give it some time, maybe till after Easter. We'll come back and evaluate. Let's look at it. If it's working, we found a new way to move forward. If it doesn't work, then we found a way that doesn't work. But one way or the other, the Holy Spirit will show us that together, and we'll decide together. Because we're the body of Christ, and together is the only way we move. 
our lives are connected in this incredibly strong web with needs and gifts, and it's joyful when that works. I love this church. I love the way with your lives you answer deep needs in, in my heart that I can't always even find a word for. But I wouldn't trade anything with having you in my life. It's wonderful. But there are just too many people who don't have that. Too many people who need to be included in this wonderful web of the Spirit that we have here at Woodburn Baptist Church. It's just not right. It's just not right to enjoy what we have and not find a way to share it with more people. That just doesn't seem right. So maybe the web's about to shift or stretch. I want you to know something. You can stretch it. It won't break. You can twist it and bend it. It won't give way. The bond that we have in the spirit is the strongest bond in heaven and Nothing can separate us. But you may not always feel that. You may sometimes feel very disconnected. You may feel very separate from this church. And I just want to remind you that the only way to really feel apart is that when you step into that web and you begin to help others and, and give to others and, and think less about yourself and more about what would help everybody else, because that's what Paul says. This is what the Spirit is trying to do in my life and your life. We will never all have the same job, but we are all intended to work for God. So I need to get to work to figure out how I can help you more. And you need to get to work to figure out how you can help each other. When all of us are working to help each other, Scripture would say, that's where you see spiritual gifts in action. You want to find your spiritual gift? Figure out where there's a need. And then you fill that need. And you found your gift. Pray with me. Let's pray. God, some of us come to church, but we don't plug in. Or some of us come to church and we come carrying heavy burdens, but we never, ever experience that moment when someone comes alongside of us and enlightens our load, listens to us talk or prays for us or, or gives us something that we need. Lord, many of us just come and attend church, but we really don't know what it means to share gifts and needs with one another. But Lord, this is what the church is. Oh God, make this the church, Lord, where people really understand and, and get that and, and live to help one another, Lord. Let us not come just to feed ourselves, but let us look at the one across the table who needs what we have to give and then, Lord, lead us to help and share. Oh, Holy Spirit, fan into flame that the gifts in our lives, Lord, make clear to us what our assignment is, what our job is. And then, Lord, help us all to do our jobs. We'll never all have the same job. And some of us, Lord, will have jobs that there's just not even a name for. And yet, Lord, that person remains irreplaceable and invaluable. Lord, help us not to overlook our own gifts 
Help us not to overlook the gifts of others. Help us just to live our lives in such a way as your church, Lord, that we always help each other. Lord God, give us grace and mercy so that we can live to help each other. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand. Let's sing. I want to give you a